Brett Reeder is a Canadian X Games gold medalist. He's one of the most successful riders in recent history in the disciplines of freeride and slopestyle mountain biking. Welcome to the Until Sunset podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Osborne. Join us on location with the world's best riders and the Antiel Films crew to explore the moments we capture from sunrise to sunset. Oh, this is nice. Let me know when you're ready. Fun though, fast. Fast. Hey, our dog. Anytime. Hey, man, it's Sunday. That was awesome. <laughs> There's something addicting about a mountain bike. This is the start of Brett's segment in Return to Earth. We're in Utah, and you can hear him walking up the desert sand. There's nothing else around us. A little bit of wind blowing the sand around as he walks high up in the mesa. There were two ravens that would meet us here every day. They would make all sorts of interesting calls. Utah dirt is quite unique, and you can hear this as he's walking on it. Some of it's this harder, shaley-type rock that's crumbled down from above. Another is this soft layer that's dried after the rains and through wind exposure. Most of the crew are far back shooting with long lenses, and it's just bred up there by himself. I think I'm actually the highest up of the crew hidden in behind a rock with a microphone. He hikes up to the top and sits there for a while. You can, you can hear on Brett's lab mic him breathing and you can even hear his heart beating after his hike up and as he's prepping to drop in. Brett prepares himself and radios down to us to let us know that he's ready to go. Let me know when you're ready. Fraser's in charge of the drop, and CJ lets him know that he's ready to go. Anytime, Fraser. Then you hear Fraser radio up to Brett. Okay, drop. Now it's just on reader. He takes a breath and rolls in. Brett drops in and pretty much straight lines his way down the mountainside. He picks up speed fast and then starts to put in a few slow skiing-like turns. It's only seconds so far and he's quickly making his way towards me, all the time picking up more and more speed. You hear him fly past me and pulls down some debris with him as he goes. few quick turns past some hidden microphones in the sand and now he's up on top of a rock drop and you can hear him breathing as he's setting himself up before he drops down into the next section. Two quick breaths and he's off. As the edit then changes over to Brett's slopestyle bike, you can hear the completely different sound of how the bike sounds. It's a completely different riding style as well, much more BMX-like, and you can hear this in his speed, the on and offs and the quick tire movements. You can hear his feet landing back on the pedal after tail whips as he catches the bike and moves on to his next trick. afterwards and it completely changes to how he was riding on the big bike. You can almost hear him more relaxed as he gets into this mindset so often for competition on a slopestyle bike.
leave that segment there as that full clip is up in RAW for the iTunes download. Enjoying the interview with Brett that took place in Hawaii. Myself and Matthew Butterworth are talking to him on location right next to Matt Hunter's tent as he was furthest away from everybody. That's why not sitting in an enclosed truck. Yeah. This tent is hilarious. Look at it. He's way away from everyone, eh? Yeah. Like, every, he, like, closest to the co- Smart, though. Close to the bathroom. Close yeah. to coffee, snacks. Yeah. Okay, so we're living pretty close here to where we've been filming during the day. Uh, have you enjoyed the setup and the shoot location so far? It's crazy. The container that I'm actually sleeping in faces the property that we're filming, and I can see the landings that we're riding up there, like, it's pretty pretty distinctive because the dirt's so red and, and the vegetation's so green that you can see everything right from bed. Yeah, it's definitely been cool being able to see the jumps right from camp. Uh, it hasn't been all work every day. Have you been able to make the most of some free time and being so close to the beach? Yeah, we, uh, we've had some days, some days off um, where the crew will, will, grab, will grab surfboards and go to the beach and We'll try surfing. Well, I mean, at least I'll try surfing. Uh, some of the other guys are pretty good, like Sterling and Hunter, and and I think Darcy's pretty good. Um, I'm terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible, but I, I still like to try. So we've been we've been hitting the beach and and trying to go surfing, and um, and then me and some of the other slope style guys are hitting the skate park, which is right across the road from the pipeline beach. So yeah, I mean, probably uh, almost a half dozen times we've we've hit that park just to to cruise on our on our dirt jump bikes, and then and then trying to skateboard as well. I'm kind of trying to relearn how to skateboard since my childhood. So I brought a skateboard and trying to do that. That's cool. What's it been like having such a collection of riders here? Yeah, it's it's weird. It almost, it kind of feels like I'm at a contest almost because lots of the slope style athletes that I compete against are here. But then I'm like, oh, it's just, it's an anthill shoot because I've been on many anthill shoots before, like all the same crew, Darcy, Diz, CJ, um, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of surreal, like seeing seeing like not the usual athletes that are in Antel projects here on this trip. I think it's sweet, just pulling more people in and and filming with with different athletes. Um, yeah, it's a pretty unique group of riders here. And does that feel rare to get a group like this all here at once? Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. You wouldn't really expect to have like the hunters and the Casey Browns in the same shots as Tommy G and Emil and then Carson too. It's like such a wide range of mountain bikers that do all different types of the sport. All compact into one shot. It's pretty cool. So a large part of this film has been about living in the moment. And we've been trying to capture that in the film. That's why we're out here in Hawaii as a big crew, all living together in tents, shipping containers, just out in nature. How do you think that aim to live in the moment has been affecting you as an athlete? Um, Well, I mean, I think everyone, everyone has times when they're down or they don't feel feel like doing anything and they kind of feel sorry for themselves like everyone feels that way and um I've found that like the only way to ever feel amazing again is to literally put everything down and grab my bike and ride my bike and whenever I do that I get into the flow state like just kind of get into the rhythm of what I'm doing um whether it be like riding my bike down Silver Star Bike Park, riding laps, and you forget about everything. It's just you and your bike. Or if it's me doing laps in my backyard, you know, walking walking up to the top of the jumps, 
um, catching my breath, dropping back in. It's all the same, the same feeling. And, uh, yeah, it makes you just kind of forget about everything that's going on in your, in your head and, and you find like the fullest enjoyment out of it. So getting into that mindset is something a lot of athletes talk about. How does that change for competition? You say going for a bike ride and being on your bike gets you into the flow state, but can you access that mindset straight away in a competition? Or how do you, how do you prepare for that? <laughs> these know. are some curveball questions. I didn't expect these. <laughs> oh yeah, we even hit um, yeah. Well, when you're in a contest, your nerves are automatically higher than they'll ever be. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, working backwards, so you're at the contest, your nerves are high, therefore when you're training, you kind of have to try to get your nerves high there as well. And the way to do that is to kind of go out of your comfort zone and scare yourself a little bit. And I mean, it's easy to do, especially if you're in a facility or you have the resources you can to learn new tricks or or try something new on a different feature, or do X amount of repetition on a certain trick, like you can get your nerves going. And uh, I think that's ultimately how you prepare yourself for competition the best. Like for me, it's like, I know I'm gonna show up to the contest. I know I'm gonna have to do my hardest tricks on features I maybe don't like so when I'm back home or I'm practicing or if I'm riding just at a friend's house, it's always the thought of like, okay, I'm going to try going out of my comfort zone and tr trying to do a trick on a certain jump that maybe I'm not comfortable with. And uh, and yeah, that kind of gets you into the, the, the mind space and ready for competition. Because if you scared yourself at home or on the local dirt jumps or whatever and you pushed yourself and you succeeded and it's like well if I did that like like I know I can do it somewhere else and then you show up to a contest and you have that same that same predicament that you've already been in um but yeah that also leads into if that's your daily thing and you're doing that all the time non-stop it also gets tiring too and you don't want to scare yourself and you want to, you know, you want to live a, a normal life sometimes. It's yeah. a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> that slope style's a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all the time in preparation working on your tricks, what's the payoff personally for you that you feel some rewards for all the work? Um, well, the... I mean, the times have changed a little bit. I mean, they're always, like, your expectations are always kind of changing. I mean, when I was younger, like, just starting to get into slope style and just starting to get sponsors, it was like, well, actually, no, before that, it was like when I kind of had the goal to be a slope style athlete, the goal was, like, to get sponsors and to get noticed and to gain respect and then you know you get that and it's like okay well now I'd be sweet to start doing well in contests and then eventually I started podium in contests and then eventually I started winning contests and now I I mean I I, I don't I don't really want to go and and come second at a contest that's never my goal um, so lately it's been, you know, accepting that you can't really win them all. I don't, I don't think it's possible to win every contest, uh, or at least to think that you can win every contest. I think that's a total wrong way to go about anything. Um, I mean, I find enjoyment when I've done the best I can and I'm stoked on the run I did in a slope style contest or if I'm filming and I go out of my comfort zone and we build something that's sick and the film crew's stoked and everyone's stoked, that's when I find the most enjoyment or 
or if it's, you know, a video clip I put up on the internet or or a film segment that gets launched or a movie and it's well received and you get people commenting and hitting you up saying how awesome that was, that's that's where I get the most fulfillment, I think. Um yeah, the slope style contest thing is tricky right now because there's lots of people who want to win, which is sick because there's more people coming into the sport. Uh, it's building the sport, but it's making it harder to be, you know, as consistent at winning all of them. Yeah. Yeah, it must make it tough. New riders coming in, you want the sport to grow, but at the same time, that makes it more challenging. Okay, so let's imagine you land a run. You don't know the score yet, but the run you just landed, that's what you had in your head. You feel you really put that down, what you wanted. Like, talk us through that. How does that feel emotionally for you? What's going through your head? That that feeling, I mean, that happened at Rampage this year. I, uh, I crashed in practice just before the contest started. And I, I didn't actually go up for another practice run because I was still kind of injured. Um, I, I had, like, bruised a rib, so I couldn't go up and, and practice before they, they ended practice and contest start. So I crashed. I'm, like, kind of getting over the fact that I crashed. They called practice, so it's, like, no more practice. The contest is starting. Um, I hadn't done a full lap from top to bottom, so I had no clue what it would feel like to go from the top of the line to the bottom and do all my tricks in one line. I thought it was going to be impossible. Uh, we hadn't got much time to really be on the bike because the builds were so big and intricate. Um, so yeah, the contest happened. I'm at the top, about to drop in. I'm psyching myself up. Um, I have no clue what's going to happen. Like, I, you never like, like for me, I'm never like, this is going to be sick. I'm going to land, I'm going to land this run. This is going to be the dopest shit ever. I'm like, holy shit, like, keep it together. Like, don't fuck up. That's what I'm thinking. Um, and, you know, before you know it, they've called me to drop and I'm I'm rolling down the start and that's when you hit the flow state. So I'm in the flow state and I'm just doing exactly what my mind is telling me to do and what I remember from practice how to do. And I get to the bottom and <laughs> I've landed that full run that I have only thought of. I've never practiced. I haven't done that full I don't know what that feels like yet. So I've I've just done that and I've got to the bottom and I didn't crash and I did all my my tricks and that was like the best feeling ever. Because I because I I, I landed it and I didn't even care what they scored me. Like I remember I was waiting for the score and I I I was like I don't even care. I almost was like I'm not even going up to do another run. Like I don't even care if I'm in second place. I'm not doing another one. Like, I'm just so happy and relieved that that's where they put me. And then they put me in first, and I was like, oh, like, I can't, I can't not go up just in case. Um, anyway, I don't, I, I rambled on and I forgot the question. No, no, that was good. That was an interesting insight. Uh, the question was basically, yeah, just what the feeling is like, just athletes put themselves under so much pressure to perform and how does it feel to you when that does pay off what is that feeling the thing the feeling okay the best feeling that i think anyone can ever get and this is just based off my opinion and and what what i feel is winning a contest is winning a slope style contest Slope style, tricks, and training. The training that you have to do for slope style contests and like it just everything in a whole, like to, to, to land all of those complex tricks back to back to back perfectly, smoothly, 
and get to the bottom and and they've awarded you a first place and nobody that day has been able to bump your score down and and put you into second that is the best feeling getting first place at a contest against the world's best athletes that that is the best feeling i've ever had in my life and that's why it's it's such a slippery slope to get in that position because when all of a sudden you've had that a dozen times or a half dozen times you've won the contest <laughs> there's there's no satisfaction in putting that same amount of work in and coming second yeah and that's the slippery slope and then and yeah it gets it gets dangerous then because because then you're in it to win and it's almost becoming the wrong reasons to do it and uh and yeah it can it can put you through some hurdles it can throw you into depression and um yeah it can mess with you pretty pretty badly i think the best the best people out there people that could be better than than like what i am or what what the best athletes are they don't care what they come in even if they are the best second place third place if they screwed up it's all good i think that's the best mentality to have but when you put yourself in that that you know that the shoes that you can win and then you don't you come shy of the win that's it hurts yeah that's a super interesting insight especially to hear your comment on the possibility of aiming not to care where where you can place and how that might impact you as an athlete. Um, early on for you, was, was one of the moments that made you realize that biking is something that you do really want to do seriously and take on? Well, I, I, uh, well in high school, I would... I mean, well, all through my school years, elementary school, high school, mountain biking was always, like, the thing that I did after schools, on the weekends, through the summers. Um, and then towards the end of high school is when I started traveling and just just seeing, you know, how it would be to compete against some of the best riders in the world and see if it was something I was into. Uh, see if it was something I, I had a slight chance at even trying. Um, and and I, I had a job at that point working for a cabinet-making company. So we made, like, custom libraries for, like, super rich people in Toronto and, like, really expensive kitchens and stuff like that. Um, and that was 2000 nine I think when I was 16 years old and at that point I was like I'd gone to Crankworks Colorado which was a slope style contest in Winter Park Colorado um and I I didn't do well I I showed up you know and I'd seen all these athletes for the very first time like I'd you know this is the first time I'm like looking at Brandon Semenuk and Graham Agassi and Cam McCall just as a little 16 year old grom you know, those are the people I, I looked up to at the time. And I made it like 20 minutes into practice and I ended up over-rotating a backflip, concussion, altitude sickness. Um, but just that feeling of being there, I wanted more of it. And I, you know, I'd been putting my time into this cabinet making job uh, and I, I hated my boss and... I just, I didn't like the work that I was doing. I was like sanding trim and it was terrible. So at that point I I had a decision to make, you know. It's like at that point I was getting near the end of high school. Probably like th the average kid would go to college or university and and at that point I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make this mountain bike thing happen. So I, I talked to my boss and, you know, I, I'm going to, 
I'm going to quit. <laughs> and and uh, he and I thought he was going to be so mad at me. I just thought he was that kind of guy. And he's like, he's like, okay, sounds good. He's like, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to try to be a mountain biker. <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay, well, good luck. And uh, yeah, and then that was the last, the last kind of real job that I had. And then what came next? Um, well, I remembered, yeah, so I guess that's kind of where it got way more exciting because then I was like, okay, well, I don't need to go to work anymore. I don't, I don't have high school and I don't have to go to work. Like I can literally ride my bike all day, every day, whenever I want and practice to be as good as I need to be or want to be for a contest. Uh, so, so yeah, at that point was when I just started like going to Joyride 150 every day and, uh, and trying to hit up more contests. I think the following year I, I booked four flights to different contests and uh how did you do in them it did terrible absolutely terrible <laughs> <laughs> but but I went to those contests and I started to learn how they worked and how how these other slope style athletes were and yeah started to learn what my lifestyle was gonna start looking like that's cool and when did you start to, or even now, when when do you feel most comfortable on your bike, most at one, just out on your bike and at peace with everything? Um, probably, probably when I'm training for slope style in the backyard, um, riding on my own with music in. It's, nobody's telling me what to do or asking me to do things. I'm just there for myself listening to music, um, getting fired up, probably like during the middle of slope style season when it's just me and my bike. Uh, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that this winter because I'm going to Sweden for a month uh, just to train for Crankworks Rotorua. Um, with this film shoot, and my Utah segment, all kind of back to back to back. It's been, you know, I've been on my downhill bike for literally six months, which I've never done before. And we're under two months away from a big slope style contest. So I have a lot I need to be working on. And I'm, I'm excited to finally just be in Sweden. No distractions. I have one goal. And it's to get ready for Crankworks Rotorua slope style. So um, I can imagine I'll, I'll get into that groove and start enjoying the fact that I have nothing, no obligations other than what I want. It kind of falls into the theme of what we've been pushing in both with your Utah segment and here in Hawaii. Really striving to be in the moment and hoping that that comes through into the final video, the final product, while working on it and having that message at the forefront of our minds, has that changed anything for you on on shooter and day to day life? Well, I mean, I think it's just we've I've had many return to earth moments on this movie shoot where I'm building. It's normally when I'm building. For these segments, I'm like up there on the ridge in Utah, right below this massive two, three hundred foot cliff, uh, looking out over the desert floor. Um, no phone, no music, just me, shovel, um, taking in the scenery and and uh, everything that's going on, the building crew, being around the people I want to be around, just like fully enjoying um, how like how beautiful the surroundings are because these sections that we filmed are, are absolutely stunning. Um, and yeah, here in Hawaii, like kind of waiting, waiting to drop in for a shot 
you know, again, no phone, no music, just Reed and I up on a ridge, like, overlooking overlooking Hawaii and, and the ocean. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome just to take it in. Um, and yeah, the film, the films reminded me of it, you know, like otherwise I maybe wouldn't think that because I'm, I'm on my phone so much that you don't really like, I mean, sure. I look out over the view and, and whatever all the time, but I'm never thinking like, Ah, like return to earth. The return to earth thing is kind of fun because I think of it as I'm overlooking something epic or or like looking at my surroundings in the middle of the forest or something. It's kind of a fun thought. Yeah, it's been a fun concept. Do you think it will encourage kids maybe to, when they're out on their bike, just to look at the forest and just try and enjoy it a bit more? I think it's a friendly reminder. Um I think I think probably it will, but the fact that in 2019 we have to promote things through social media and the internet, <laughs> it uh, you know, it it slightly goes against what the film is, but like how else are we gonna push this thing in front of people? Put a put a laptop in the middle of the forest and hopefully someone stumbles across it. <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, like how, how else are we supposed to get it in front of people? So, yeah, I think the message, the message is strong. It's powerful. Um, it'll encourage people to get out and ride their bikes ultimately. And, and when you do that is when you realize, you know, how beautiful it is to, to be in the nature and, and to be doing exactly what you want to be doing. So, and then that's when people will, will kind of take a breath and look around and and soak up earth. Yeah, man, nicely said. Getting people out on their bikes. So for the Utah segment, what was that like changing things up a bit, pushing the scope of the build, getting the machines involved? What was that like changing things up so much for a Utah segment? There's uh, a lot of things. Okay, well, first of all, that that landscape is like endless for possibilities to build mountain biking stuff on. Um, that's why everyone goes there because the dirt is like shoveling snow. It's super light. Um, it's a little bit hard to pack. You need you need the right amount of water and whatever. You take some time to do that, but but at the end of the day, like you really can move dirt out there really easily. And there's a lot of natural hits and jumps and step downs that ju- are just there. So um, that's why everyone goes there. That's why we went there. I mean, I've never done a Utah segment, and I wanted. I wanted to go do that for a film, um, and and be able to use the the train um, and see what we could do with it. So, not only did we have that good train to use, but we were able to use an excavator as well, which is what nobody's ever had out there. Um, and you know, of, of course, we got we had some haters. <laughs> other athletes who uh yeah i mean who who have been out there in the past and haven't had that resource i mean they they could have they just you know they just needed to go through the permitting and and uh all the stuff like lower down that that you could make happen by spending like a week or two with 10 dudes to try to like move the dirt, we were able to do like instantly with the machine. Um, so I was able to do a lot more stuff near the bottom of the mountain. Um, and we were able to do a lot more shoots overall in the time that we were there because uh, we had a four man dig crew plus the excavator. So while Dustin is digging some new feature down by the bottom, um, 
you know, the other three of us are up, like, digging a line way at the top. And then once that was done, Dustin would be done moving on and we would all go attack, like, the machine belt feature that he had prepared for us. So it it allowed us to, like, get a lot of stuff built for the section, which was sick. Wanting to push the boundary for the segment meant that Brett had a lot of riding to the whole time risking big tricks. Here we are at day 10. We're in a bit of a different section today and the dirt's riding a lot slower. Brett is trying to figure out how he can get enough speed riding on this tacky dirt to fit in a big 720 on his downhill bike. And it doesn't all go to plan. It just sucks that I tried to ride it out. And then like, I had momentum from like landing. And then that sends you like, literally halfway down the landing. It was like a... Brett's talking to bike mechanic Fraser Newton. Under rotate, same as always. And then like, try to like steer it, but then it was like, kind of like oh, that. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then I just wadded. Although the run-in was shaded and slow, the landing had been getting hit by sunlight the whole morning and was compacted hard. Right before the crash, Brett was talking to Fraser and pointed out his concerns about this very thing. 16 and 17 rampage that I under-rotated a seven on this thing in contest and slammed super hard so it always trips me out. Here's the full playback of Brett's crash. Okay, dropping in. Brett being Brett takes a break and then nails it. Yes! Oh, yes! Everybody's fucking cheering up. Okay, sick. Okay, am I getting ready to do one more right now? And then wants to keep riding. Now back into the interview. And we definitely wanted to push the boundaries for the Utah segment, give you something unique to ride, and show a Utah segment that no one had really seen before. And we drew this connection the other night talking about how pipeline here in Hawaii is a bit of a rite of passage for surfers here. Do you think the same can be said for Hawaii with riders putting out a Utah segment? I think that people go out there. I don't think everyone needs to do it. Like for for me, um, I haven't done it until now. Like my whole career, I've never gone to Utah to film until now. Um, I don't think you need to do it. Uh, the reason why people do it is because it's really easy. You all you got to do is drive a truck with a couple dudes who know how to dig and some shovels to Utah, rent a house, get a hotel, uh, and go into the desert and build a couple lines and hits, uh, you know, and bring a filmer along with you. And then you got a Utah video and you can, you can fit in right with everyone else. Um, I think that's why people people do it because it's super easy. Um, the dirt, the dirt's awesome, um, and uh, and I mean one of the biggest mountain bike contests in mountain biking is based in Utah, and you know part of the reason why people get invited is because they can prove that they ride that train. So, um, yeah, I guess that's that's the other reason why why you'd see lots of people doing Utah videos as well. You talked about the dirt here being like snow. 
do you ever draw from other other sports, snowboarding or skiing or something? Do you ever draw from that for either your riding style or your building that you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah, I like I like watching skiing and snowboarding. I think it's I think it's really sick like how they how they do tricks. Um and I don't even really know like what to call those tricks and and I, if they if they did like some crazy t- spin trick off off a a big air jump or something I wouldn't even know what to call it but um the style that those athletes have in the air is like exactly what I want to look like um you know I I want to have like a 1080 that looks like all those big air dudes that compete in X Games, um, and uh, and then those features too—they translate over into mountain biking too, like big ski booter style step down and um, and and big air jump. I mean, it's all a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, and was it was it that mindset that you went into Utah with? I wanted to go, I want, I mean, there's, there's been, there've been athletes who have, uh, have done it before, but I wanted to go with a slope style bike and my downhill bike and film kind of two different kinds of riding, slope style riding in that big mountain train. And then I also wanted to, to try to push myself in the big mountain on, on my big mountain bike, um, and that was kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, I had just gotten off of a really, really long, um, crazy season. So um, I, I wouldn't say that I was uh, as on it as I could have been if this segment was like in April, per se. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd just been training and building and filming and doing that ever since Rampage or or sorry until Rampage Um, and then at that point I had like two weeks off and then I had to drive back down to the desert because this segment was gonna happen during those dates so um, I would say that the the segment we filmed the filming is gonna be incredible the building is incredible like what they what they what those guys built and how they filmed it is going to be incredible um on my end uh i'm not that stoked on you know what we filmed uh it's going to be cool that i was on the slope style bike and uh and my downhill bike and we were able to use the excavator and have these pretty pretty amazing builds but at the end of the day like if I am putting a month of my time into something, I want it to be next level. And I want there to be things that nobody's ever seen before. Uh, and unfortunately there wasn't. And it was just, it's just due to busy schedule, like just been, been pinned all year. And, and, you know, just like everyone, like we all need time off and to, to refresh and, and get stoked for for the next season and and I'm I'm proud of myself for what we were able to come up with while we were out there regardless of all the circumstances so it's uh, it's going to be a pretty pretty awesome segment I'm excited to see it one of the standout photos you will have seen from the film shoot was Sterling Lawrence's photo of Brett Reeder in Utah on a big rock quarter pipe this amazing feature built by the loft crew sat right at the base of the location, so we spent almost every day with this section right next to us, wondering how it was going to unfold into the segment. We show up for an early start on one of the coldest mornings. All the ground is frozen white, and Brett decides he needs to put in some practice on this line while we wait for it to defrost elsewhere. Zach has like five hoods on. Yeah, you do. One, two, every two, three, <laughs> Brett has quite a bit to think about while he works out how he wants to ride this whole line as one take. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to need like a while to session this thing and learn it all first. Yeah. To get to the quarter feature that you see at the end, there's quite a few sections yesterday at first. It starts off with a blind lead in to his first landing. 
which is also sculpted into a rock. A couple of little berms and another little rock jump. Which leads him to the first time he tries the quarter pipe. Oh! That lip is not steep enough, like I totally botched myself. So Ben Byers comes in and steepens up the lip. Thank you, Ben. So Brett is just sessioning this to work out how he wants to ride it. Of course, we set up cameras so that we can find out how we want to film it as well. You never know what he might pull off. We got, we got, what, two shots in the bag if we need? Brett knows this and it starts to turn into a bit of a film session even though he's just practicing. So you guys are just waiting to see if I'm going to one-up myself. We stop for lunch not long after this. Reader's still working out his line, but soon things start to pick up as Sterling is talking to Brett and shows him some angles he's been looking at for a photo. Yeah, and then I get up like right here. One before that. One before. Yeah, because we went wider. We got the, the sharp, maybe that one. Yeah. And at this point, Sterling shows Brett the photo he's after, and you can hear Reader likes it. That's just oh, what? Was that during a shot? It might not have been in the film. That was the one we, we had to leave that. Yeah, that's when we had to leave. I'm above the rock. And this is the photo that gets Brett interested in committing to it. But at this point, we didn't know if it would come into fruition because the focus is really on the film shoot. Exactly. Whoa. Crazy. I'm that this far away the from take the rock. That the boys. Yeah, that's really cool, the separation. At sunset, everyone would be heading back to the nearby town of Page to get some dinner after 12 hours in the desert. But for the next three days, Sterling stays behind after he sees Reader's interest in this photo that he really wants. He spends extra time figuring out the composition for this photo. He had a very particular shot in mind and some new techniques that he wanted to develop for this one image. I asked him about the shot he was looking for and he explained how he might not even get the opportunity for it. That he can't risk the whole video shoot trying to get a picture. He can't risk injuring the athlete. So that's why he was spending the extra time setting it up. So that if there was the chance, he could take it. Sterling knew he might not get it, but luckily for us, it unfolded perfectly. Thanks to Brett. That if I had the well, maybe we can just to get that shot. Well, if it's up to me, I would want to do it because like that's one thing that I would be stoked because I am stoked on the way that looks. Three days later, and after another full day shooting all day, we're packing up and everyone was ready to get out of the cold desert and go for dinner with another long day ahead tomorrow. Brett starts talking to Sterl and tells him he wants to session the rock quarter and give the photo a go. Perfect, we're on. All right, Sterl, while I'm here, do you want to try shooting this? Yep. But not, not if you're saving energy. You could just tell them I'm gonna like session this maybe a couple times. Aerial cinematographer Colin Jones does some dry runs with Sterling to help work out where he needs the drone for this shot. And I have, now I know how much time before yeah. you get to that first kind of slowdown that you have. They give it one practice run altogether. Yeah, I'm just gonna try to go at it a little quicker this time. Okay. And then go in for the shot. I'm good when you are, Sterl. Okay, coming down. And after all these days that Sterling's put in thinking about this photo, he nails it first shot. We review it on the Phantom as well. Just wanna I want to see the photo. It's still cool to see your... Um, I just want to see the position. And he triggers his flash and takes the photo at the perfect time. That's just... Oh! Yeah, it would be, I think, getting... That's sick, because I'm looking, I'm looking downhill. Wow. Bam, into the high five. That nice, dude. Sick. Yeah? All the hard work is paid off. Sterling may annoy the heck out of me since he talks so much while I'm trying to record sounds, but he does take damn good photos. Yeah, that's a sick shot. Yeah. Oh, nice reader. Now back into the interview. Yeah, and you see in particular in, uh, in freestyle and slope style writing, people always just pushing the boundary of what's coming next. What is your motivation for just pushing that next step? Well, it's, I think it's what we talked about earlier. I think it's the fact that if you're doing new tricks, um, 
progressing your riding in the sport, uh, you have a good chance at bringing those tricks to the contest and winning the contest. I think it's, for me, that's that's what it's for. Or, or filming a segment and doing a trick that no one's ever seen. Um, but that, that being said, though, like the filming versus contest, like it's cool to watch a video. Like it pumps you up. You get psyched when you watch a good video. But at the end of the day, like for slope style, I mean, who knows how many times it took that guy to do that trick for the film. He could have tried it 30 times before he threw it, whereas a contest, you have to be on it and do it first go. Uh, and, and not only that, but do a first go <laughs> followed by every single other one of your best tricks. Um, and everything has to be perfect. So um, comparing comparing a, a new trick in slope style contest versus slope style video is is not that comparable. With contest playing such a large large part of your your drive what what, what do you think uh, if if you weren't competing if you weren't always pushing that boundary thinking about how it might play out for you in competition um, what would your riding look like do you think you'd be riding the same do you think you'd still be pushing those tricks I don't think so I think that if contests weren't a part of who I am um, I probably wouldn't be pushed as much to to elevate the sport and my riding um, in terms of slope style tricks but you gotta also think to like how long do you want to do the same thing for? For me, um, I you know I've I've been at it for I'm going on eight years. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. You guys working over here? Yeah. Man, sorry. It's okay. Just making sure everyone is okay. Yeah. <laughs> We all got heat stroke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we just got interrupted by Matt Hunter there. As we're set up right next to his tent, he just wanted to see why there was a truck parked up next to him. Um, uh, yeah, so you were talking about how long you... Oh, how, yeah, how long. Yeah, so f for me, I've, I've been doing this... I'm going on my eighth season of operating the exact same way um there's a lot more to life for me than continuing to do the same thing over and over again um i've been fortunate enough to do well in slope style contests and it's given me the resources to only continue progressing um and i'm gonna do that for as long as i want to uh, right now, I, I want to keep going. So, you know, I, I, you could expect for the next two to three seasons that I'll be doing the same thing. Um, but if I were to stop competing right now, um, it's hard to say. But I, I don't think that I'd be as hungry to, like, learn new tricks and and push the sport in that way. But I mean, who knows? It could, if I actually just didn't compete and I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs, I'd probably, I'd probably go crazy. So, it's a it's a hard one to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's it been like here working with Reed, yeah, Reed Boggs and yourself of the opening segment? And uh, I think this is one of his first bigger shoots. What's that been like? you working with him seeing him come in as a as a new writer to filming um yeah reed reed did a good job um i would say he did a better job than my first shoot like he he knew the process a little more than you'd think someone who hasn't filmed with a big film crew would we uh when we when Reed and I showed up, which was 
a week and a half before everyone else, or maybe, yeah, a week and a half. Um, we had like a full segment, an introduction segment to Return to Earth for for just us um, that we had to film. So I, I've actually never like really ridden closely with Reed, um, and I've never hung out with him uh, outside of just like the odd time I see him at a contest or a mountain bike festival. Uh, so so yeah, it was it was good. I, I definitely I got to learn. I got to know Reed a lot better than I did before, um, and he's a really he's a really chill dude, um, and he loves mountain biking, and he's he's so stoked to be out here and filming with everyone, um, and uh, yeah, it was good. We we uh, we had a section of the trail um, where I would I was leading him on some of the bigger jumps. Um, and then, you know, the filmers asked us to switch it up and, and he was leading on another section of trail and he was, he was so fired up to be leading, leading me down the trail. I'm working out here on, on these shoots and other ones. What's it like for you to have such a catalog of experiences you've had and where you've traveled and the writing you've done all captured on film as moments in your life? How do you appreciate these these moments that you now have? Um, right now, I, I don't appreciate them as much as I I'm going to. I think I think like with with where I'm at and and what and my goals moving forward, it's the best thing ever to just keep on keeping on and like not sit so amazed in the moment um i i did that for you know like when i when i started traveling and competing i thought that the whole thing was just mind-blowing i couldn't believe i was getting on a plane with my bike and traveling to europe and competing in a professional contest you know like thinking every single thing is so big and special because it is i know it is trust me but I think it slowed me down a little bit because then there's people who are just focusing on the contest or the film shoot and it went to show like they they did better because, you know, that's what they were focused on. Not so much that the world is such a crazy place. Um, I appreciate it, like being here and, and all the experiences that I get to do. And one day I'm going to sit back and really appreciate it. And I know that that's coming. But while I'm in this career and while I'm trying to uh, travel and compete and film at the highest level, I got to kind of take it with a grain of salt and, and put it on the back burner a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, one day one day when when this is all done and I'm not a mountain bike athlete anymore um, is when I'll I'll have some pretty awesome stories to to tell and then to remember and really enjoy yeah well well thanks that's probably a cool place to leave this you driving home the point of how in your career you are yourself living in the moment that's a nice message and final comment for the for the interview. Yeah, nice dude. <laughs> it's getting spicy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, dude, thanks for sick. hanging with the hard questions. Yeah. No worries. I hope I don't hear myself and be like, "What the?" F I I don't have uh, that much of a filter. <laughs> so. <laughs> thanks for listening. That was taken from an interview with Brett Reeder on location in Hawaii for the film Return to Earth. I'm Jonathan Osborne from Antiel Films. The interview and questions were also carried out by Matthew Butterworth. If you're interested in seeing the film, you can now stream it on Amazon Prime. Links are in the description. Catch you next time.